Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and this is the show where I get to have some interesting conversations with people in the sports world, in the business world, especially the sports business world. And today I have Bryce Weiler. He's the co-founder at the Beautiful Lives Project as well as a disability consultant with the Baltimore Orioles. Bryce, how you doing today, man? Hi, Michael. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. The pleasure is all mine. You you get to work in baseball, man. That's only just a dream of mine, uh, a flickering dream of hope one of these days. But Bryce, very excited to talk to you about obviously the the, the jobs that you're doing, the, the project that you've co-founded, your story along the way. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast, Bryce, is why do you love sports so much? I grew up listening to sports on the radio, listening to Brian Barnhart commentating for the Fighting Illini and Don Fisher commentating for the Indiana Hoosiers. In addition, I would listen to those broadcasters commentating both football as well as basketball. I also grew up listening to the St. Louis Cardinals, listening to Mike Shannon commentating games on the radio, and I never thought that I'd be able to have the opportunity to experience sports, but when I was in college at the University of Evansville, the former Aces head men's basketball coach, Marty Simmons, gave me the opportunity to live my dream of being able to sit on his Evansville men's basketball bench. That is awesome, man. And I mean, so I guess... What is it about those moments that means so much to you? You know, listening to those games, being able to sit on that bench. What What is it about those that means so, so much? Listening to the games brought the pictures of sports to life in my head. And being able to sit on the basketball bench was as close as I was ever going to get to being able to, to play sports. I was able to shoot free throws before Evansville home games on the court. I was able to visit with opposing coaches, Greg Marshall of Wichita State, Ben Jacobson of Northern Iowa. My friend Brad Stevens, the former Butler coach, came in to open up Evansville's new stadium in November 2011. That stadium is the Ford Center. So just getting to visit with so many friends that I'd known in basketball and being able to meet so many new friends as well. Has basketball always been your your sport of choice? I wouldn't say that I really have one favorite sport over another. I enjoy baseball, commentating baseball on the radio and softball as a blind radio broadcaster. I really like commentating soccer on the radio because soccer is so challenging for me with 22 players running around on the field. Yeah, I could see that pretty difficult, um, being pretty difficult, obviously, as, as you said, you you are blind. Um, so it probably gets very difficult understanding where all the, you know, just everything that's going on, especially with soccer is one thing. I think my favorite part about baseball, and, and you brought it up a little bit with the radio broadcast, is I feel like baseball is the one sport you can see on the radio. Um, with the, the amount of description some of these radio announcers have and the color commentators and the play-by-play guys have, I'm a very big Mets fan and I'm very biased, but I do think they have one of the best radio announcers in the business in Howie Rose. But I just think it is so cool that you can really immerse yourself in a baseball game without actually being able to see it. and You can listen pitch by pitch and know exactly what's going on and be able to picture, as you said, everything that's happening on the field. Baseball broadcasters are very important. I do enjoy listening to Howie Rose and my friend Josh Lewin, who is the other broadcaster for the Mets. Josh also does some Chargers football as well. And really baseball broadcasters can tell a story of the action happening on the field and really paint pictures so the listeners can understand what is going on. 
Yeah, I, unfortunately, Josh is no longer with the Mets. He moved on. I can't remember exactly where he went. We have Wayne Randazzo now, but he's also a very oh, yeah. good dude, too. Yeah, I can't Wayne, remember. Wayne is someone that I'm friends with. He used to do their pregame, and, and mm-hmm. I'm excited that, that, that Wayne got moved into the main broadcast booth. I'll have to see where Josh ended up. I didn't know Wayne was on the main radio broadcast now. Yeah, yeah, it happened last year. I can't remember where Josh went. I think he is uh, out in California because I know, as you said, he does some Chargers games. If I'm not mistaken, he might do UCLA. Oh, he is doing uh, UCLA athletics, so that may have taken his full-time responsibilities. Well, shout out to Josh Lewin. I always enjoyed the heck out of him. So if you want to tell him for me that I appreciate it. And you also right. tell Wayne, tell Wayne that I really enjoy him as well, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, that, that is pretty cool. So was, I mean, with, with, you know, this opportunity, as you said, to, to listen to these sports and do, you know, have the opportunity to shoot hoops or, 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 you know, shoot free throws before some of these home games was working in sports, always a goal from you, um, from, a, from, for you, from a very young age. When I was younger, I thought about working, doing things in in history, maybe teaching or things like that. But then as I thought about it more, being a teacher would be really hard for me since I cannot see. I really give a lot of credit to all the blind instructors out there who are teaching individuals who can see in subjects such as history or various other subjects such as that, because I was never really sure how I would be able to tell if a student was actually paying attention or if a student stayed in my class or left the room. So I'm happy that I decided not to pursue history and to try to find a job working in sports. And I think that that part's really interesting because, you know, as you said, um, you know, being you, you already stated before that you've been a color commentator, you know, obviously growing up, listening to all these incredible men and women being able to commentate sports and, and give their opinions and the color broadcast and the play by plays. At what point did you want to do that? When I got to Evansville, Tom Benson, who used to run the ACES student radio station, gave me that opportunity to learn how to be a blind radio broadcaster. I always knew from the start that that I'd probably never find a job as a radio broadcaster because most radio analyst roles go to former players and coaches. And since I cannot see, I cannot do play by play. But learning how to broadcast has helped me in so many ways. It's taught me the importance of valuing every word that I say. And it's helped me when I go speak to sports teams, companies and schools about my life to deliver an outstanding message to inspire people to overcome the obstacles and challenges in their own life. Yeah, that's one thing I could probably get better at. Uh, I talk a lot and I say a lot of words. I say them fast, though, so hopefully that kind of helps. But definitely something value value my words a little bit more. And I guess what exactly, like how exactly are, like what does a blind radio broadcaster do? Like how does that process work? I'm just the same as any other second radio broadcaster who works with the play-by-play broadcaster. I study the style of the play-by-play broadcaster that I am working with. I listen to each team's previous couple of games. If I'm commentating basketball, I go out on the court and I shoot free throws before the game to figure out if the rim is loose or tight, if the ball is going to kick hard off the back of the rim or get the good bounce over the front of the rim. When I'm commentating baseball or softball, I make sure there's a good crowd microphone by home plate so I can hear the sound of the umpire calling the pitch a strike or of the ball bouncing off of the catcher's chest protector or hitting in the dirt. And most importantly, I study the style of the play-by-play broadcaster that I'm working with to determine whether he or she likes to track stats or trends or likes to tell more stories or talks a lot or doesn't talk very much. Mainly, 
I'm trying to make them be the star of the broadcast while also helping fans be able to enjoy whatever game it is that I am commentating because I want this play-by-play broadcaster to live their dreams and to make it to their to where they want to be in sports. And I want to help fans to be able to fall in love with sports and enjoy the games that I'm commentating. I think it's incredible, man. Being able to, I mean, I probably couldn't commentate a game. I've watched thousands of events, football games, baseball games, basketball games, hockey. I probably couldn't do that. And you're, you're doing it without really being able to watch it, which I think is very, very impressive. And do, do you think that gives you, especially on the radio, do you think that gives you a leg up because you can really paint that picture with your words because it's like almost a necessity for you? Yes, in some ways, but I think most important, I've listened to thousands of games and thousands of broadcasters on the radio or my phone over the years. So when I've listened to that many broadcasters, I know good ones. I know ones who don't do such a great job. So just all of that experience listening to various games and broadcasters. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive, man. That is is very impressive. And uh, I, I love everything that you're doing there. So uh, while at so you were at Evansville, uh, that's where you were doing some color commentating. You did a little writing, some camera work. You then go get your master's over at Western Illinois, correct? Yes. When I was at Western Illinois, it was a lot harder of an experience for me because the athletic department staff told me that I could commentate games on the radio, which I'd done 90 games when I was at Evansville. They also told me I could help out with auctions and fundraisers and all the things I'd done when I was at Evansville and get to do more of that. When I got to Western Illinois, I really did not get to do any of that. I was able to commentate four games during my second year of graduate school, and it was tough to get those four games to women's basketball games and two men's basketball games. And though those two years really showed me to never take experiences in my life for granted, it was also a lot harder to find students who wanted to help me with getting my food in the cafeteria or just helping me learn my routes around campus. And that also showed me to never take people in my life for granted. And I'd done both those things sometimes throughout my time at Evansville and graduate school was a long, hard two years for me. Why, why do you think that was? That sounds pretty, um, uh, why, why do you think the people were different there? Uh, well, in some ways, some of the people there were from larger cities, Chicago, and, and many people from large cities like to rush around and really don't take as much of of time to get to know someone but also sometimes people are just scared to let me do things or to help me because i'm blind and they don't really know what i can or can't do or sometimes they are nervous to convey their their own fears or thoughts about someone who's blind or someone of any disability interesting that's pretty disappointing but uh seems like you came out on the other side now it's unfortunate that you weren't able to commentate these games especially with your your ability and and the the resume that you built up to that point especially because it sounds like from your point of view they may i'm not going to say promise but they said you'd be able to absolutely do some games uh so it's it's kind of a drag that they didn't allow you to do that but you did you were able to do some fundraising there and so what with and it sounds like you did some fundraising at evansville as well what is it about fundraising and that nonprofit side of the world that really lights a fire underneath you 
I just think it's important to raise money to help people be able to live their dreams or to have experiences in whatever I'm trying to do, whether it's helping fundraise for a college or fundraising to find a cure for cancer or for the various other events that I've spoken for with fundraisers or obtained auctions from the people I'm friends with in sports, Brad Stevens, Rick Pitino, John Calipari, many other people. It's important to do what I can to give back and to help others to live their dreams or to have experiences that they have dreamed about in their life. And that's awesome, man. You know, being able to to help others do what they want to do is probably very, very fulfilling for you, right? Like, I think that that's just such an awesome opportunity. And you've been name dropping all episode now. We're up to John Calipari, uh, Brad Stevens, um, Howie Rose, one of my favorites. Josh, I mean, how, who who don't you know in the sports world at this point? I don't know Howie Rose. Um, oh, okay. I'd like I'd like to know Howie Rose. He he's a good broadcaster. Um, actually probably two of the broadcasters that I was most uh, excited to meet were Mike Shannon, who I listened to growing up doing the St. Louis Cardinals games on, on FM radio before I got Sirius XM radio as a, as a holiday Christmas present in 2003, which changed my life, giving him the opportunity to listen to so many sports teams across the country. And then Pat Hughes of the Chicago Cubs, I was not a Cubs fan growing up. Pat Hughes does such a great job commentating Cubs games that I would listen to Cubs games just for his commentary. And I got to spend time with both those broadcasters in June of 2013 at Bush Stadium where John Rooney, the broadcaster who I know, the former White Sox radio broadcaster, helped me to be able to go to the St. Louis Cardinals radio booth and to meet both those broadcasters. I also got to meet Marty Brenneman of the Cincinnati Reds that same year. An interesting fact on John Rooney, he is the only broadcaster in sports to win a World Series in two consecutive years with two consecutive teams, doing it with the Chicago White Sox in 2005 and the St. Louis Cardinals in 2006. That's a pretty good stat. I like that. That's a fun one we can get behind. And I, I think it's awesome, man, what you've been able to do and how you've been able to do it. Obviously, a little adversity uh, in your life, but you found something that you love to do and you tried to pursue it as much as possible. Is Now, is is commentating still on the table for you? I know you said before, you know, it usually goes to former players and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, politics involved. Is it still something that you're trying to pursue? Oh, I still commentate games when I can. Um, I definitely know that I can do it, but I also know that I'm not probably going to get as many opportunities as I would if I would be able to do play-by-play. The past three summers, I was out in New Britain, Connecticut with the New Britain Bees doing field programs where people of all disabilities were able to play on the field with the Bees players and coaches. And I commentated about 15 to 20 New Britain Bees games each summer for the past three summers. Now, you mentioned earlier how I was saying names of of famous people such as Coach Patino and Coach Stevens, and and those famous people don't have any more impact on my life than the students that helped me out at Evansville or the students I was able to find who helped me when I was in graduate school. It, at Western Illinois, it was actually so hard to find students who wanted to help me when I was in graduate school that I'd walk into the cafeteria and ask random tables of students if they would eat with me or or help me and. I've always known in my life that someone does not have to be famous or to have a 
a Wikipedia page to impact someone else's life. So all the people that helped me out when I was in college, uh, Kylie Lewis, my friend Colton O'Day, who was an Evansville basketball manager, Scott Kornberg, who I commentated with at Western Illinois, Tom Benson, who taught me how to commentate games on the radio as a blind radio broadcaster, Lance Wilkerson, the former University of Evansville men's basketball broadcaster, who gave me the opportunity to commentate three Aces games with him in the 2013-2014 season. All these people are just as important in in my life to me as people who you've heard of and who have Wikipedia pages. It's so true, right? Like it, it is just absolutely so true that that there are a lot of people that affect you. There's a lot of people that affect me. That yeah, it's cool that I met Willie Randolph once. You know, former former coach of the Mets. But did that do anything? That that didn't really change my life. He was a nice guy, which was cool, but. It is just very important to understand that there is this obsession with celebrity here in the United States, which is probably not the best thing. Um, We're seeing that play out in a couple different ways. We don't really need to talk too much about it. But I I think it's more important to understand the people that have a direct impact on your life, like Kylie, um, you know, and, and all these other incredible men and women that you just said, because they are the people that will be there for you right you know mr patino um you know we don't uh, you know john calipari i don't know how you know how often they're picking up your phone calls if they are at all so i think it's very actually both of them talk to me a lot but i was just you know mentioning that because you had mentioned you know earlier that i was mentioning famous people and that made me think to myself i need to speak about how someone does not have to be famous to impact someone else's life oh of course yeah a hundred percent and and i completely agree with you but it is pretty cool that john calipari picks up your phone calls all the time um you know maybe after the recording i can get john calipari's number but we'll talk about that (laughs) we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later so with that bryce i want to you know after leaving western illinois obviously you've done a lot of commentating you've done some fundraising you've helped a lot of people you've done a lot of great things how hard was it for you to get a job after you know graduating from emmonsville after getting your master's from western illinois how how difficult was it for you to finally, you know, try and get that full-time job that you obviously are looking for? It was hard both times over. In 2014, there were a decent number of jobs going to graphics that I could not do. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd get so much more work experience in 2000, by 2016 going through two years of graduate school. I didn't get as much as I thought I would. And then more jobs are going into graphics or things that I needed to be able to see to do. And, and then I would never say on a job a- application or a cover letter or speaking to someone that I was blind, but they would always find it out from typing my name into the internet and finding articles that had been written about me or videos of me shooting free throws with someone standing underneath the basket to clap for me or things like that. And it was frustrating for me because I was grateful for the people who wanted to talk about my life and, and, and most importantly, talk about the people who helped me be successful throughout my life. That's something that I try to incorporate in every article or video or story or radio interview or podcast that, that I'm a part of because if it wasn't people helping me, my parents, my family, the students in college, coaches, I wouldn't be successful in my life. But just to experience losing out on jobs because people found out that I was blind. I really wanted to be able to give back and to help people of all disabilities to find employment and to help them live their dreams. So I started figuring out email formats and I started emailing professor, professional sports teams and college, college athletic directors and presidents, 
uh, the sports realm where I contacted teams were all the NBA teams, all the Major League Baseball teams, all the NFL teams, all the Major League Soccer teams, even did NASCAR as well. And it was a really interesting experience emailing with owners and presidents and managers and coaches and executives of teams. And then I also worked with companies as well to help them hire people of all disabilities. Those types of programs has not worked out as well, but I have helped a few companies make their websites more accessible, and I have had the honor of being the disability consultant for sports teams as well. Yeah, I think I'm very excited to talk about that, but it is just very frustrating that just because you're blind, people won't hire you. I think that it's kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, like why, what does that have to do with your quality of work? Is it just more uh, kind of a, an inconvenience for the company uh you know having to make sure everything's up to standard or, or get around like what why do you think it was such a point of contention well there's a few reasons why companies don't want to hire people of all disabilities and and we can talk about other disabilities if you want at some point or, or sports teams as well but since i'm blind we can speak about individuals who are blind right now the first would be the extra cost of hiring someone who is blind, buying the special technology that a person who is blind needs. I use a screen reading program called JAWS, which stands for Job Access with Speech. Training someone who is blind to navigate around a stadium or around the 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 office space, mm-hmm. those those instructors get paid between $125 and $150 per hour. They don't get to keep a large portion of that money because most of them are are employed by state programs or by government-run programs. So that that cost adds up if it takes someone 30 to 40 hours to learn how to navigate through a stadium or wherever they need to go. Just multiply that out. For other disabilities, someone who's deaf, it can be more expensive to hire someone to be a sign language interpreter for them. And sports teams and companies just don't want to take on those, those extra costs because they can hire someone else who can fill that role. And it is disappointing because I try to tell teams and and companies when they want to talk about how many people come to their game or or might purchase their product or or consume their product who might be blind or deaf or having autism or in a wheelchair. Normally that number isn't very high, but I try not to give that number and I try more to phrase it to the executive or the staff member that I'm speaking to. What if, what if one of these two of these three of these people are your family or your friends and, and they want to have the opportunity to live their dream or to come to your games or do whatever it is that these groups may be partaking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great way to look at it, right? Like having what, why not? Why can't, you know, the, the enjoyment, the experience that I get out of a Mets game, why can't somebody, why can't everybody have that? Right. And I think that that part's the, the, the most important part. And I think it's, it's a little frustrating to hear that, you know, just because there's some extra costs involved, it, it kind of takes you out of the running for a lot of these positions, which is a little ridiculous in my opinion. Now I understand the sports industry is a very high demand, high supply industry. So if there is one knock against you, you, they can find somebody that has probably similar credentials that doesn't have those extra costs involved, that doesn't have that same similar, you know, quote unquote knock. So it, it is very frustrating to hear and to see that. But at the same time, it's still pretty cool what you've been able to do. So as you said, you you do work for some teams, specifically you're a disability consultant with the Baltimore Orioles. How So you were talking about before writing those emails and sending, you know, having those conversations with a lot of teams, leagues, executives, 
how did you land this position with the Orioles? Um, back I in figured out the Orioles email format and I emailed their, their owner as well as their team president and spoke to them about how I wanted to give people of all disabilities the opportunity to live their dreams and to make stadiums more accessible. I'm going to tell you more about my work with the Orioles in the past four years in, a, in, in one second here, but I wanted to make one more comment about mm -hmm. the, the importance of hiring people with disabilities <clears throat> for employment with sports teams and how these teams kind of shy away from that and how it could be solved in a manner, but I understand why sports teams don't necessarily want to go down this, mm -hmm. this, this uh, road. Now, players are often signed to contracts with sports teams. And so often employees are not signed to contracts because if an employee doesn't really do a great job with with his or her role the company or the sports team does not want to keep them around and if they do do a great job they're probably going to move on to a different role but so sports teams could hire someone with with a disability and sign them to a contract but i also speak more about how people of all disabilities they are more loyal to the individuals who give them these opportunities and that's what i've told to the orioles human resources staff as we're working on programs to hire people of all disabilities so the work i've done in the past four years with the orioles has meant so much to me i've been the orioles disability consultant since june of 2016 i've ensured that the orioles home stadium of camden yards as well as their spring training stadium of ed smith stadium are both accessible for fans of all disabilities. I've given fans of all disabilities the opportunity to play on the field with the Orioles players and coaches before two Orioles home games last year at Camden Yards in September 2019. In September 2018, the Orioles became the first team in sports to wear Braille on their jerseys to honor people who are blind and to show the importance of people who are blind learning how to read Braille and how learning how to read Braille can open the the entire world back up for someone who's been blind their entire life or has became visually impaired or blind part way through their life due to an illness or accident or things such as that that event was so special to me we had over 150 people who were visually impaired or blind who came to that game i put all the food menus for the food stands where these individuals were sitting out in left field in, in Braille, two forms of Braille, the contracted Braille, which uses 126 contractions to stand for entire words or parts of words, and then uncontracted Braille, just in case someone did not know how to read all of the 126 Braille contractions. In addition, that evening, I worked with the ushers to ensure that they properly knew how to guide and assist individuals who are visually impaired or blind. I ensured that the individuals coming who had guide dogs knew where their guide dogs could use the bathroom or where their guide dogs could get a drink of water or to eat some uh, dog food if they needed to do that because it was a very hot evening that July night in Baltimore in 2018. So the Orioles staff has really given me the opportunity to live my dreams and to help people of all di disabilities to live their dreams. And I'm so grateful for that. And I hope more sports teams and, and leagues will give me the opportunity to be their disability consultant and to work with them to set standards to help people of all disabilities to have the best experience possible. And so with this, was this your idea? Did you go to the Orioles and said, hey, like, I want to help you make sure that anybody who wants to can come to your games and enjoy it? 
Yes, that was something that I had emailed them about. That's something that I emailed about with all sports leagues or Rob Manfred, who I know, who's the Major League Baseball commissioner, Adam Silver, who I know, who's the NBA commissioner, trying to get leagues to set league-wide standards for what teams have to do for people of all disabilities is important as well because there are a number of teams in the various leagues across the country who don't really want to do everything to make all of their programs for people of all disabilities be as fantastic as possible. They will pick out two or three groups and do everything for those two or three groups when there's only between 10 to 12 variances of all disabilities that teams should be accounting for. That is pretty darn impressive, man. If you don't mind, could you tilt your laptop down just a little bit? Um, just a little bit. It's perfect. Perfect. Oh, Awesome, man. Thank you. Just wanted to, it started to, you got, you got a little animated. It's, Sorry. Yeah, you're good. You're good, man. No, I love it. I, I, I love it. To sit still. I got excited talking about the no. programs I've done and how the Orioles staff has changed my life when I moved around. No, dude, you're perfect. That's what I want. That's, I want that passion. That's one of my favorite things. That's why I do this. I want to listen to people who are passionate about something, whatever, whether I understand it or not. I understand what you're doing. I think that's pretty important. So over those four years, you know, it sounds like you've done some stuff 2018, 2019. Obviously this year is, uh, I don't, I'm not going to call it a wash year, but it doesn't look like we're going to have too many fans, if any fans at all, going to Camden Yards this year. So it's kind of unfortunate. So how are you taking advantage? of this time of these you know few months off you know quote unquote like what are you doing to kind of build for the future for the Orioles and then potentially for yourself to help many many more of these teams to again become um uh, capable of having disabled fans uh enjoy the games just like everyone else just because fans in general, may not be able to come to Orioles games at Camden Yards. I still hope we can do some events in the fall because they don't have to come to a baseball game or a basketball game to have a great experience. We can go to them. We could take them to an event or a college game or or whatever the case might be. So we'll see what events we can get going in the fall. And, and what I've done the past three months, I've been working on the nonprofit I am the co-founder of where I work to help people of all disabilities to live their dreams and programs in sports and art and cheerleading and dance. I've been connecting with people on LinkedIn. I'm at the LinkedIn connection limit of 30,000 connections, but I can still accept invitations from people if they want to connect with me. I've been trying to follow new people on Twitter. So if people want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is at Bryce Weiler at B-R-Y-C-E-W-E-I-L-E-R. And I've been staying really busy the past three to four months, inspiring people, helping them to overcome obstacles and challenges in their own life and helping them to help others to live their dreams. I've also been sharing some documents that I've created with other sports teams across the country, but sharing doesn't really go so well anymore unless a team gets a new owner or a new president because everybody in sports basically knows what I do and knows me. I am going to be helping out a, a major league soccer team next year, which maybe I can come back on your, your show and podcast and talk about that. And the reason how I got that was this, this major league soccer team got a new president. So the president they had switched to a new role with a different team and the new president really supported what I, I wanted to do. So. I like that, man. And I, I think it's, it's frustrating from your standpoint that it has to, you have to wait for new ownership, new management, but I might have a really great connection for you that deals with that side of the sports industry. So I'm going to write that down because she's an awesome, awesome person. Um, but getting back to it, I think, you know, so it sounds like you're taking a lot of advantage of these last three, four months. I don't even know 
what day we're on anymore. The days don't make sense. The, the time doesn't matter as long as we're doing stuff and getting going. And I've been trying to do the same thing, just talking to a lot of people, share a lot of stories like yours, and hopefully get a little bit more publicity and get people to understand what you're doing and how you're doing it. I think that's the most important thing. And with that, how how, how are you... You started talking about your nonprofit a little bit. So you are the co-founder of the Beautiful Lives Project, which is, you know, as you said, art, cheerleading, dance. Like how, so you're you're already working for the Orioles. You're obviously trying to obtain more sports teams to, to allow you to help them. So that way, as we said before, more fans can enjoy and experience their games. What exactly is the Beautiful Lives Project and how is it similar and how is it different than what you're already doing for the Orioles? The Beautiful Lives Project works to give people of all disabilities the opportunity to live their dreams and programs in sports, art, cheerleading, dance, ballet, nature, many programs across the country. So giving people with disabilities the opportunity to perform with a college cheerleading team or dance team. We've done that type of a program with the Eastern Kentucky dance team, with East Carolina cheer team, with the University of Northern Iowa dance team. We've done programs where people with disabilities can play on the field with baseball teams, the New Britain Bees, where I was at last the last three summers doing events with the Evansville Otters, with college baseball teams, with basketball teams, Pennsylvania Quakers basketball. My friend Steve Donahue is their coach and has done those types of programs with his team, with the Texas Legends of the NBA G League, with the Erie Bayhawks of the G League, many other teams as well. We do quilting events where people with disabilities can learn how to do quilting. We do music events where people with disabilities can learn how to sing or play musical instruments. We've done programs where people with disabilities can go to zoos. We're working on programs right now to help veterans of all disabilities be able to live their dreams and break down barriers and stereotypes in their own life. We have chapter presidents all across the country, Raleigh, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, San Diego, California, Hartford, Connecticut, many other places as well. And we just want to help people of all disabilities to live their dreams, to help them to make friends that can last a lifetime and to break down barriers and stereotypes. And our website is www.beautifullives.org. We're always looking for people to help us through investing in smiles to help make the dreams of people of all disabilities to come true through a sponsorship, through donating, through hosting an event, becoming a chapter president, through participating in our events. Individuals can email me if they would like at bryce at beautifullives.org, B-R-Y-C-E at beautifullives.org. They could call me or text me if they would like. My phone number is 812-899-5673, 812-899-5673. They could follow me on Twitter at Bryce Weiler, at B-R-Y-C-E-W-E-I-L-E-R. They could invite me to connect on LinkedIn. Please do that because I'm at the connections limit, so I cannot invite people myself. They could follow the nonprofit on Twitter at Beautiful Lives Proj, so at Beautiful Lives, P-R-O-J. We also have Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, probably social media channels that I don't know exist because that's mm -hmm. not really what I'm good at. And they can find those social media channels by looking us up or going to the website, beautifullives.org and seeing what there is and watching our plethora of videos and pictures. Yes. And I'm going to have all that information in the show notes. So anybody listening, you can go click into the show notes. Anybody watching now when the podcast comes out in a little while, I'll make sure it's there. I'll also make sure it's on the YouTube channel as well. So don't worry. You'll have, we'll have all that information for people to go check you out at. And I guess what are, how, so you've been 
working with the Beautiful Lives Project for a few years now, since about 2017, what are some of the successes? You named a few working with some some major college programs, which is incredible. But how many people have you been able to help through this? How many projects, how many chapters do you guys have? Because I want to understand the scale and the scope of what you've been able to build so far. We have 11 Beautiful Lives Project chapters across the country. We're always looking to set up more chapters. Last year, we helped over 3,000 people of all disabilities to live their dreams. This year, we've helped over 1,200 people of all disabilities to live their dreams, and we haven't really had many events and programs since the start of March. So we got to that number really quickly in the first two months of the year, which is fantastic. We've Mm -hmm. seen so much growth, and we've done so many great events. We've had events where we've ran simultaneous fields of people of disabilities playing on the field with baseball players or softball players across the country. We've had events and programs where we've had hundreds of people participating. We've had more intimate events where it's 15 people. So whatever the number is, we're going to ensure that the venue is accessible for the individuals participating. We're going to take into consideration the thoughts and concerns of the host organization, of the caregiver organizations, of the individuals who are participating in the events we're just going to make sure that it's a fantastic time for everyone i love that man that is awesome and getting up to 1200 in only two months clearly you were going to shatter your 3000 from the year before unfortunately i'm not able to do that with uh, what's going on in the world so i guess what have you been doing and, and you kind of described it a little bit before but what have you what has the beautiful lives project been doing to try and help people with disabilities throughout these last four months have you been doing virtual events have you been doing um you know virtual meetups anything along those lines the Beautiful Lives Project has been doing virtual events. I've been going on radio shows and podcast interviews to inspire people. And that's how I became friends with, with you, Michael, through connecting and finding out that you had a podcast. And we've been doing a lot of that. We've been enhancing our website. We've been working on our veterans program to help veterans of all disabilities to live their dream. I've been recontacting and contacting new people across the country to set up events in our forums and whenever it's safe to do an event in their city or state just to get that going and, and new groups as well to participate in these events. So I've been staying busy. The other staff members have been staying busy and we're not using the the virus as an excuse to do nothing or to say that we cannot do things. We are using it as a platform and a place to help people and to help us help others. I love that. That's absolutely fantastic, man. It's been absolutely uh, great getting to talk to you. As you said, we've become friends through this process and I'm very grateful for that. And yes, when that MLS team comes through, I'd love to have you on again. But before uh, before I let you go, Bryce, um, and again, everybody listening, all the information will be down in the show notes for you to check out. What are what are some of the future goals for yourself, for the Orioles, for the Beautiful Lives Project that you're really trying to make sure that you you can hammer out over the next few years? I'd like to get as many sports teams as possible to want to give me the opportunity to be their disability consultant. People always ask me what number or what teams I want. After after working and emailing and calling these teams for years, it's it's given me a different viewpoint on teams and, and front office executives. I'm just thankful for the ones who want to give me that opportunity. I don't have a set number of of how of how many teams I want to help, how many teams want me to help them, I'm going to be there and I'm going to help them. Hope that is entire leagues and and large numbers of teams. And for the Beautiful Lives Project, we want to have as mapters as possible who want to help people of all disabilities to live their dreams and 
I don't really have a set number on that. We just want passionate chapter presidents who want to help people of all disabilities to live their dreams. They don't have to have done these types of programs before. They just want they just need to have a passion to help people of of disabilities to break down barriers, eradicate stereotypes, and to live their dreams and to want to help people of all disabilities to do what it is that makes them happy and to have new experiences. So however many chapters we can get with that across the country and the world, that's 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 what I want to have, whether it's 50 or 100 or 200, whatever there is, I'm going to make sure that it's successful. I respect the hell out of that, man. And I think it's awesome that your goal in life and and what makes you happiest and what you're most grateful for is helping other people achieve their dreams. Uh, sounds like you hit the jackpot, man. So now all you got to do is uh, you got to kind of keep running your head into that wall over and over again until it finally breaks sometimes. But once it does, man, it's going to be absolutely incredible. So Bryce, this has been so much fun to get to talk to you, learn about you, what you're doing, excited to continue to build our relationship. We had Bryce Weiler, co-founder at the Beautiful Lives Project and disability consultant with the Baltimore Orioles. Bryce, really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. It's meant so much to me and I'm happy that we're friends now and becoming better friends day by day. Can't wait, man. If, especially if you can get me in contact with Howie Rose, we're going to be really, really good friends until then. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. Love it.